0: There's a sense of pride, right? There's a sense of pride that, you know, we are able to to feed the the Asian community. It's a good feeling to know that these crops, what we grow, this product is also being consumed by uh, others than the Asian community.
1: I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest, citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, a family farm brings a taste of China to Florida's Atlantic coast. Last week, we took you all the way to France for a conversation about oranges with Florida native and cookbook author Jamie Schler. Thanks to Charles Kersey for reaching out to me on Twitter at Dalia Cologne to suggest that interview. But don't put your passports away just yet because today we're exploring vegetables native to China with our guest, Roland Yi. Roland is the third-generation co-owner of Yee Farms, which his grandparents started after they immigrated to New York City and eventually made their way down to Florida. Today, Yee Farms sits on 1,000 acres in Boynton Beach. The Yi family supplies bok choy, Chinese broccoli, winter melon, and about a dozen other veggies to Florida's Asian and mainstream markets, restaurants, and even cruise lines and theme parks. In our conversation, Roland tells the story of Yi Farms and explains how the challenges of farming have changed over the years. Then he and I brainstorm ways to enjoy all those fresh veggies.
0: My grandparents actually immigrated from China. They're from an area, a uh, canton area of China. They immigrated to New York City and they were actually in the laundry business. And it turns out that my grandmother had asthma. And because of the asthma and uh, living in the city, it really uh, adversely affected her. So they were told by the doctors that she should probably move out to the countryside, which is how they went to Great Meadows, New Jersey. And when they moved out to Great Meadows, New Jersey, they literally taught themselves how to farm because that's about all they could do. That's that's all they could figure out how to do. They they weren't necessarily uh you know educated in anything else.
1: Wow. Okay. Farming seems so difficult. So had they had a background in farming?
0: Not really. No. They didn't have a background. They just kind of self-taught. And I think uh, just ambition. Ambition, uh, you know, the, the, the need to survive allows you to learn a lot of things really fast.
1: For sure. But I'm thinking if I needed a job, starting a farm would be pretty low on the list because there's it's just so difficult. <laughs> so yeah. what, kind of, what kind of things were they growing in New Jersey? So
0: they, they just started with the the vegetables that they were accustomed to eating. Back in in China, stuff like uh, Napa cabbage, bok choy, baby bok choy. And uh, over the years, uh, that that list has just kind of grown from there.
1: Okay, so they're in New Jersey growing bok choy and Napa cabbage. And I guess they must have been successful at it because the farm is still going, huh?
0: They were. They were. So they they started out in, uh, like I said, 1940s. And then in the uh, late 50s, because of the season up in Northwest Jersey, is so short, they actually had to extend the season because they had a a restaurant route that they're running back in New York City. So Great Matters is approximately an hour away from New York City. And uh, in order to supply the product for a longer length of time during the season, they expanded down into South Jersey, down into Bordenton Town. And then in the late 60s, my granddad actually was helping another farmer Down in Florida, which is how he was introduced to Florida farming. And uh, long story short, we had a contract to supply these restaurants in New York City and by that time, Boston, Philadelphia. The farmer that he was getting it from asked that uh, they purchase it from a distributor back in New York. And because my grandparents didn't want to do that and they wanted to supply a product as fresh as possible. That was really the impetus for moving to Florida to grow it themselves so they could supply it year round.
1: Okay, so who were their customers? You mentioned they had a restaurant route, so were they primarily selling to Chinese restaurants, any type of restaurant?
0: It was predominantly Chinatown. It was uh, predominantly the, the Asian market and Chinese restaurants, right. Um, also, uh, small Asian supermarkets and, and a couple of distributors.
1: That's so cool. OK, so they make their way down to Boynton Beach. And did you say about what year that was?
0: 1969. They're they actually farming in, in an area in Florida called Fort Pierce. Mm-hmm. And then in the mid 70s, about 74, 1974 is when they ended up in Boynton Beach. So the reason why they ended up in Boynton Beach is cuz the uh, the climate in that area. Uh, twofold really. A was the climate and B was logistically the closeness to New York in that they were looking at there in Fort Myers area and they figured instead of running across the state of Florida because back in then, you know, the roads were not as they are today. It was easier and logistically better for them to be on the east coast to run up the coast to New York. That and also the climate. Uh, The climate in the Palm Beach County area, we're very close to the Gulf Stream, the warm waters, and we also have the Everglades to our west. And those two areas really make a microcosm of warm weather for the wintertime. And back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, as you probably remember, we got some pretty cold winters. And a lot of places would freeze out in the state of Florida. But Palm Beach County and that area never really froze because of the Gulf Stream and the Everglades and those large bodies of water making that warmer microcosm.
1: I never thought about that. So you're in like the hottest part of Florida.
0: (laughs) It stayed fairly warm. It stayed fairly warm. A lot of places would get down to the 20s in Florida in January, February timeframe, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. But we were always right above freezing mid-30s, which was just enough to keep the crop alive.
1: So you could grow year-round. Now, tell me how the farm has evolved. Paint a picture for me. If I'm on the farm in Boynton Beach, how many acres is it? What's growing on the farm today? We
0: farm uh, approximately uh, 1,000 acres. We grow approximately 15 different items, Napa cabbage, bok choy, baby, baby bok choy, Shanghai. Uh, daikon radishes, um a lot of the stuff that you would see in your Asian market or your and really it's become uh mainstream even in your supermarkets now. Things have kind of evolved over the years. It started out as the restaurant business, like I said. From there we kind of went to uh distributors. Over the years, it's become kind of more of a, a niche now, not only Asian market, it's uh a lot of uh supermarkets, Caucasian markets cruise lines and theme parks as well in addition to what we started out with
1: cruise lines and theme parks i wouldn't have thought of that but that does make sense and we've had on chef albert youngman the culinary director for epcot and of course they have a lot of international cuisine and obviously on a cruise you can get anything you want any time of day (laughs) Wow, what do you think your grandparents would think of how the farm has grown?
0: I'd hope they'd be happy about it and proud to what my parents have done and and what my brother and I have done. We've definitely grown the operation. Things have definitely changed over the years.
1: What would you say were the biggest challenges for your grandparents? And what are the biggest challenges for you and your brother's generation running the farm today?
0: and my grandparents you know when they first started obviously they they really had to learn how to farm and get the knowledge to farm and then the capital borrowing the money starting up they definitely worked a lot harder i think than my brother and i do today there's no no doubt about that what we deal with today a lot is food safety being environmentally conscious looking at what really does the customer want today, as opposed to what they wanted yesterday or in the past? Packaging, for example. You know, people want to be more environmentally sound. So we use recycled paper for packaging. We decrease the amount of wax that we use in the boxes if we can, because of wax as a product of the petroleum. As far as the product goes, there's a move to smaller product now, as opposed to Large bok choy, for example, or large Napa, for example, because a large head of cabbage will feed a family of four with a lot of extra. So, what can we do to get a a product that's a little bit smaller in size, that's more manageable, and it's going to be less waste?
1: Oh, I didn't think of any of those things. What does it mean not only to have a family farm? We've had farmers on the podcast. We've had dairy farming family recently. But what you're doing is carrying on a tradition that started in China. You're selling these vegetables that are so important in your community. So what does that mean to you?
0: There's a sense of pride, right? There's a sense of pride that, you know, we are, we're able to to feed the, the Asian community. It's a good feeling to know that these crops, what we grow, this product, is also being consumed by uh, others than the Asian community you know a lot of the caucasian and different ethnic communities are now consuming this as well. So um knowing that it's becoming more mainstream it's it's a uh, it's a good feeling. It's 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 nice to know that uh what what we're doing is feeding the american people and not just feeding the, the the asian community.
1: Very well said. And good food is just good food. So we have to talk about what people are doing with these vegetables. What are some of your favorite ways to enjoy these vegetables?
0: So, I'm uh, not much of a cook, but stir fry is how we do a lot of these. Mixing it with beef or chicken, making a, a simple stir fry with a simple sauce on it, or really just eating it steamed the way it is, is very good. Napa is found in egg rolls and a lot of different dishes or in salads. A lot of people will will eat them in salads as well.
1: Now you're making me hungry. I should have had lunch before I talked to you. Yeah, I think I would go for a salad and I don't know if you've ever done this, but you can actually eat ramen noodles uncooked if you crunch them up and mix them with the vegetables and then whatever dressing you're using, the dressing softens them a little bit and I could see all the vegetables you named going into a really good salad.
0: Oh, that does sound good. That does sound good. You might have to send me a recipe for that.
1: I was going to ask you to send me a recipe. That's usually how this goes. (laughs) Maybe I'll offer a recipe. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned your brother. You and your brother are third generation, I suppose. What's his name? Ethan. Ethan. Okay. Roland and Ethan. And then are you still working with your parents or you two have kind of taken the reins?
0: Well, we've kind of taken the reins, but, uh, you know, when it's a family farm and you're in it, you're in it for the long run, so my parents are definitely an integral part of everything that goes on
1: okay, what are and, their names um, We'll give them
0: Thomas and Nancy
1: Thomas and Nancy okay, and okay. then
0: my sister in law Amy is also a part of the operation, and you know it's we, we pride ourselves also on on long term relationships, so you know we've got customers that have been with us for literally generations. My mother, for example, has worked with parents of some of the customers that uh, their children have now taken over. When when you have relationships like that, you just don't drop them, right? We want to keep those relationships going. That's one of the other reasons why my mother and my father are still an integral part. Because they they, frankly, they talk to these people with some of our customers on a daily basis.
1: Wow, what a great American story. We're now in the third generation of the farm and the customer's working together. So do you or your brother have kids? And what do you see as the future of yee farms?
0: My brother does have a young boy, um, Bryson. Um, he's five years old now. And actually, I just had a daughter uh, that was born uh, eight months ago.
1: Oh, okay. Tell me. Abigail the Grace. Yep. Abigail so. Grace. So Abigail and Bryson two cousins, maybe fourth generation farmers?
0: We'll see. Hopefully, if, you know, if they, if they want to get into it, we're not going to push them away from it. But, uh, you know, just as everything else, things are changing in agriculture. And as things evolve, you know, there's always challenges. But I think the future of family farms is still bright in, in the state of Florida and really just across America in general. I really oh, I, do.
1: I think that's a perfect place to end. Wow. What a great family story. Is there anything else about your family or the farm or the veggies, now I want a salad, (laughs) that you would like to mention?
0: I would just say, you know, not only for our farm, but just for American farms in general, if you have the opportunity to buy local product, to buy American products, please do so and support your local farms because it's going to be fresher. It's going to be most likely a better product, but you're going to be helping your community. And Really, family farms are and few between right now. There's not that many of them. It would be advantageous to support American agriculture.
1: Yeah, well said. Well, Roland Yee, thanks for taking the time. It's been really fascinating to learn about the farm, and I wish you all success. Hopefully, Abigail and Bryson will take the reins one day.
0: I appreciate the
1: opportunity as well. I enjoyed it. Roland Yee is the third generation co-owner of Yee Farms in Boynton Beach. Thanks to friend of the pod, Jeff Hauk, for putting Yee Farms on my radar. And as promised, I'm the one sharing a recipe this week. My cool and crunchy ramen salad is a great way to use up veggies from Yee Farms or whatever you got in your fridge. Find it on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Cologne. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Alexandria Ebron and Chandler Balcom. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2023, part of the NPR Network.